0: Today, I want to preach a message titled, Saved to Give. And uh, we're going to look at a couple different things because, of course, giving is not just a finance, but that is part of it. So Saved to Serve, if you didn't get to hear last weekend's message, uh, check it out on podcasts. It was really good. And I don't want, you need to hear the whole message to hear it clearly. Um, because if you're just hearing one part, sometimes you might get it off balance or think, boy, that pastor... You know, he's just telling us if we don't serve, we don't love God or something. Just check it out on the podcast and you'll get a clear picture. But today, we want to talk about saved to give. Luke chapter 6 and 38 in the Passion Translation says this. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. So giving generously, this is a Bible principle. Giving generously is something we should do, but also he tells us clearly that when you do that, it comes back. And it comes back in abundance and overflow. This is a real principle that even people who aren't Christians can use this principle and they'll see an effect because it's a biblical foundational principle. When you give, it comes back. Okay? So know that it's a fact. Okay? Now, this is how God asks. Now, obviously, in everything you do, wisdom is a part of it and uh, following you know, I, I tell people, make sure to you pay your bills. Like, don't think I'm bringing this to you. I know, I just won't pay any of my bills this month, and I'll give my money to the pastor. Don't ever do that, by the way. They, you, know, you give and it goes to the church. I get paid a salary. But some people have gone to meetings and been pressured or even coerced into giving something they didn't have or giving something that belonged somewhere else already. Never, never think that we're trying to do that here, ever. I'm giving you a message so you can understand this, not because we need money or I need money, okay? I don't. And the church is always blessed. The Lord has always looked after it, okay? Because you guys are faithful is part of it. So I'm bringing this so you can understand the principle, so that you can also be blessed. So Jesus tells them this. It'll come back. It'll come back, and it will overflow. The measure... You give out becomes the measure it comes back. My great-grandpa used to talk about this, and he said, did you know that when you shovel out, God brings a shovel back? But the difference is you've got a little shovel, and his shovel is huge. So he would say, yeah, your scoop shovel's little, his is big. You shovel one out, he shovels one back, but it's much bigger. So the principle of overflow... And it's a fact, God is true. Matthew 10, verse 8. Matthew 10, verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. The message today is saved to give. You see, we have been blessed, and we have been forgiven, we have been healed, mind, body, soul, and spirit, And now Jesus looks at us and says, you freely received, freely give it out. So I am looking today at the fact that when you come to Christ, when he is blessed and given to you, you give out to others. When you are saved, something in you changes from selfishness to unselfishness. And unselfishness always gives out. Before you came to Christ, maybe some of you here. Before you came to Christ, your entire life was all about you and what you could get. When you come to Christ, now your life becomes all about Him and what He can do through you. And a big part of that is how you give out. Now, obviously, I mentioned right off the beginning, this isn't just a message on giving finance because there's many ways to give, giving our time, which would really have been looked at last week in the message on serving. But let me just give you one verse, and it is one we looked at. It says Matthew 9:37. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So here Jesus is talking to those who are following him. And he's telling them, there's so many people that need the Lord. There's so many people that need to be taught and discipled. There needs to be more workers. And here we are at a time, I believe, wow, we can use people who want to help others mature in life groups and who want to visit and have coffees and who are willing to be prayer partners. Whatever it takes, there's a need So we all play a part in that. And I believe one of those big parts is life groups. If you're part of one, invite the new person. That's a pretty easy uh, outreach for you. You don't have to do too much. Just invite them, get them there a few times. And uh, that's one big thing for life groups. Uh, Some of you here tonight might be fairly mature and you're thinking, I don't really need the life group. You can go just so you can invite others. Okay? If you're not leading one. And if you're like, I'm passionate. I want to lead one someday. Come talk to myself or Pastor Bruce. We'll show you how. Our job is to equip people. We'll show you how. Because I believe it's a big part. Also serving opportunities. A brand new believer can begin to serve right away and learn and grow through that. So help us as we begin to reach out to others. And when you help someone who's new, do you know what's going to happen to you? You grow. You grow. Because when you start helping someone who's new, they start asking really tough questions. And you're going to have to give them some (laughs) answers. So when you do that, it also grows you. All right. Giving our time, also giving our lives. Now, this is a little bit similar to the serving, but let me read this verse. Mark 8 and 34. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, talking about Jesus, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you will save it. So here he's talking about a little bit what I mentioned, you know, just a bit ago. But he's saying when you accept Christ, he comes into your life, you're now following him. You leave your agenda behind to follow Christ's agenda. You know, serving God and stepping up is not about uh, being controlled by a person. That is most definitely not what we're preaching. Now, if you're part of the church and you want to be in a ministry and you're under a leader, then you're freely giving and saying, I'll be under your leadership. But definitely not something uh, like control or anything like that. So, Giving our lives, though, says it's Christ's agenda, no longer mine. And when we do that, we are clearly telling the Lord, I'm available. You can have my life. Wow. None of us wants to take it to the extreme like Jesus did. But wow, what a way to live where we're able to give to him anytime he asks. And I really believe the Holy Spirit can lead you and I how to give. You don't have to be told by a person. There's some scriptural basics for giving, and we look at those from time and time, time and... I don't know what else to say there, every once in a while. And, uh, but you, as a believer, as you mature, you can actually know how to do it on your own. You don't need somebody to tell you, okay? And the Holy Spirit can spark something in your heart. All right, giving money or possessions, Mark 10, verse 21. And we did read this last week if you were here, but uh, I want to look at the part here uh, again. It says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now this was the direction given to this one young man. Jesus gave this direction to him because he saw that this young man had a desire to follow him, and Jesus actually felt love for this young man, knowing he had gifts, he had ability, and it would be amazing, but he also saw that there was a big issue for this young man. And that big issue was that his possessions were more important to him than anything else. So Jesus, for that young man, addressed it by saying, hey, if you really want to follow me, take all that stuff you have, sell it, and then come follow me. Now please, he's not saying that to everybody here in the congregation. Don't do that. But Holy Spirit can lead and direct in different ways. But he did see that possessions were more important than following. For you and I as believers, God has asked us, in his word, to give a tenth, a tithe, the tenth of what we make. And we give it uh, where we attend church. I believe he's done that and asked us to do it so that we never let possessions be our number one ruler. We never let money own us. Because we make up our minds as mature believers, I'm going to do this for you, Lord. And I'm going to trust that every time I do that for you, you bless back, you meet the needs. You bring in the finance, the uh, good work opportunities, whatever it is. And I can tell you from experience, he does. I have served the Lord for many, many years in different circumstances, sometimes working carpentry, sometimes in evangelism, sometimes doing both, sometimes traveling nonstop. Now, the gas prices weren't as horrible back then, but I'm telling you what, it was really to look back on it not possible in the natural and do you know through all those years we always tithed i can remember in carpentry now this is a number of years back but i remember making i'm going to try to remember exactly what it was but every paycheck was about 800 dollars so about 1600 a month this was a number of years ago uh rent and stuff wasn't as much back then either but I remember sitting down with the wife and saying, well, we're going to tithe off this, that's 10%. You know, we figured out 810% of that, and, you know, what do we got there? And I was like, that's not very much. I remember we were talking about it. That's like so cheap, that's all we're going to give him? So we decided instead of the 160 a month, let's do 200 a month. We were like, we thought we were rich. Do you know that God blessed continually? And when we did that, do you know that he actually, I got a raise within a month or two, and it came up to that amount? Because God's faithful. And he will not ever go back on his word. His word is true. Malachi 3.10, of course, is that verse in the Old Testament that talks about tithing. It's also mentioned in the New Testament, But Malachi 3, verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God wants to bless you so that everybody else looking knows it. Wow. Some people are like, wow, but if I give some money, I won't have enough. Or, you know, it's going to not go well. If you're faithful and God has made it real to you, and you do that, he will open doors for you. That's just the way he is. But he doesn't just say, I want to open doors and just help you get by. He actually says, I want to bless you so much that other people notice. Think about that for a minute. I want to bless you so much that people that aren't Christians notice. That's what he's saying in this. People that don't serve God notice. What's up with you? How come you're so blessed? And when people notice, they typically ask. And you can tell them. Well, I trust the Lord. I'm a Christian, and did you know he asks us to give a tenth, and then he does things every week, every month, and blessings come back. That's how good he is. I may have told somebody this story before, but it's coming to my mind. I'll tell it again. I remember um, our first home here in Slave Lake was a trailer on its own lot, and I remember thinking, Lord, you said you'd bless us now. I just told you, he always our needs are always met. We always gave. But I was just thinking, Lord, there's got to be a way you know, to make money besides just pounding nails and putting drywall up and whatever it was we did back then. And uh, I had been praying about it, and I was out mowing my grass in the lot. And I felt like the Lord said, buy the property next door. And I laughed, because the property next door had an old trailer. It was newer than mine, but I know about old trailers that take a lot of work. (laughs) And their value goes down. Trailer's value goes down as the years go on. But I kind of felt it, but I just laughed. I'm like, why would I want to do that? Then I'll have to fix that one over there. Like, that was my thought. But I kind of knew, this is how God talks to me. But I left it alone, and... I went to work the next day and when I came home, it was within a day or two and I came home and my wife says, oh, the, uh, um, the real estate guy was here today to assess our place. I said, the real estate guy was here? What do you mean to assess our place? Yeah, he said he had to assess it for uh, the finance company because they're going to sell it. And right away, I was like, Lord, this is you. He's supposed to be next door, and he came to our place. He's in the wrong place. I told my wife, he's at the wrong place. Well, he looked around, and he said he knows, he's like, you know, this. I said, no, trust me, he's at the wrong place. Then I told her what I felt the Lord had said when I was mowing the grass. I didn't even tell her before that. I said, the Lord's trying to get my attention, so who was it? And he left a card, of course, to the real estate person, so I called him up, and I said, hey, I just want you to know you were in the wrong trailer. You're supposed to be next door. And he said, I know it's really hard when you lose your place, and you know, I know how you feel, but I said, no, trust me! <laughs> you're at the wrong place! I said, we used a certain bank, and uh, the finance company that you're saying is we've never used, so you're at the wrong place! Oh, Okay, he said, but, and anyways, he did find out he was at the wrong place, but I realized, okay, God, you definitely were talking to me, so let's figure out how we can buy this, and uh, I did tell him before he got off the phone, well, once you get your for sale sign up there, just let me know. I'm going to buy it. (laughs) He still wasn't too sure if he was the right place. But anyways, a for sale sign did go up. And the, the funny thing was, when the Lord said you should buy the place next door, there was no for sale sign. There was nothing. The grass was a little bit long, and there wasn't a vehicle in the driveway, but I didn't even know it was for sale. So I talked to a really good real estate guy back in the day, And uh, we, yeah, he's over here, too. We got some great people here. But anyhow, he retired from real estate. But uh, we ended up purchasing that trailer and lot. We rented it out for six months. And then we sold it. And I got a check after it was all done. I believe it was around $30,000 in six months. And I had no clue what I was doing. And I had no money down because I didn't have any extra money. I'm just sharing to tell you that when you're obedient to what the Lord asks, He'll do anything. He has ways that you don't even know that He can bless and prosper you. Sometimes we're stuck in, it has to be just like this, and then we're upset when it doesn't happen. Well, what is He asking you to do? And it might not be easy, but it'll be worth it. Just do it. And uh, yes, do not buy old trailers and try to sell them. That is... Definitely has to be God because that is not how you make money. That's how you lose money. Oh, but God wants to bless you and he wants to bless you beyond what you can imagine. I need you to understand that. He wants to bless you more than you know. He just says be obedient. And part of our being obedient is giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly or plants sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. This is Paul talking to Christian believers. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So here Paul is talking to Christian believers in one area, asking them to give to help some people in a poorer area, okay? Just for for the context, because there was some famine in this area, but this area was being blessed. So he encouraged them, you know, give, and he's saying, don't be cheap about it. He said, you know, if you can give more, give more, and God's going to bless you back. But what I love about that is where he says he'll give you even more so that you have sufficiency and you have an abundance for every good work. Have you ever had a time where you wanted to help somebody? Or you know you heard about a situation and you wanted to be a blessing there and you couldn't? We probably all had that happen. Yet here he's saying, hey, if you start, you do what I'm putting on your heart to do, I'll make sure you have enough to help even more things and give even more areas. Isn't that amazing? So that's for you guys who love giving. I think most people love giving. Who here... There's a scripture that says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's such a joy, but there's also a blessing that comes with giving. In other words, it's like the planting, right? So when you look at this planting verse, if you plant a potatoes... Anybody here plant potatoes in their garden? Okay, we've got a few planters. If you plant potatoes, you're actually more blessed than the person who got a bag of potatoes to eat. Like, literally. Because you're going to have a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. You're going to have probably ten bags instead of one. So even naturally and literally, when you plant, you're going to be more blessed. Isn't that cool? But also in God's kingdom and spiritually, the same thing works. And he says, that way you'll have more to give. I remember one time planting potatoes. I grew up on a farm. There was lots of us, so they said, let's plant big gardens to feed all you boys. And uh, so we did. We planted massive potato gardens. And this one year, we planted. And we planted this field, and we planted that field, well they weren't, they weren't fields but they looked like fields to me especially when you had to weed them I tell you what but, uh, and then you hill those potatoes there was some work to it you, know, you had to cut the potatoes and put them in and we put quite a few in and at the time when you put them in well you had this big bag here now you have nothing it was hard work and the next day when you got up you didn't get anything back harvesting takes time but you see, I knew potatoes grow, and of course our parents did, and if you weed them and hill them, you're going to get a lot. And so we did that in that fall when we dug the potatoes up. There was a harvest like we had never seen in our lives. I'd done that potato patch before, but we used to have a tractor with a plow behind it, and that's how we'd dig them. We'd go beside the hill, and it would just flip the whole row of potatoes over. And uh, I would drive the tractor and my brother would use the plow because he was a year older than me. And once in a while I'd try the plow, but I would drive that little tractor and he'd be on the plow and boom, we'd go through. And as we drove through the row and the, pl- the plow turned the row, we didn't see dirt. All we saw was potatoes. We literally had a plow furrow of potatoes. We went down the other road, the same thing. We ended up with those potatoes. Now, we had a root cellar. Does anybody know what a root cellar is? Like a cold room, but it's outside underground. And we filled up the potato thing as full as we could fill it for the year, so we knew we had potatoes all winter, but we had potatoes left over. We had 100-pound sacks of potatoes. That's what we would store them in. And I remember counting them. We had over 100 bags of 100-pound potatoes. So we had to give them away. We took those potatoes, and uh, Dad and Mom, they phoned whoever. Hey, do you need potatoes? We got potatoes. I can remember as teenage boys, we were hauling 100-pound bags of potatoes everywhere for people who needed them. And do you want to know something? I still can picture it, and I still can feel how it felt. It felt so good to give. Now, if someone had brought me a 100-pound bag of potatoes, it would have been nice but there was no comparison to how it felt to be driving to someone's place taking this huge bag of potatoes that you harvested so they could eat. It was amazing. It's the same today, even if it's not potatoes. You know what? Our care group knows it. We have a care group here at the church. They bless people all over. And they continue. You know why they continue? Because it feels so awesome. And God says he'll pour it back in. God blesses abundantly. Someone blessed us. I am really into stories. I can't help it. They just keep coming. Someone blessed us last fall with crab apples and cherries off of a cherry tree. And there were just these boxes coming. And yes, that person is a giver. And yes, they're here too. All the amazing people are here tonight with all my stories. But the crab apples came, and I thought, well, I can't eat we can't eat all these crab apples. And if you know, I don't want them to go bad. And uh In August, we moved into a place that has a fairly big kitchen, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make jam. My wife said, you know how to make jam? I said, no, I don't. But I'm going to Google it. (laughs) I (laughs) am going to go on YouTube and figure out how to make jam. And uh, so we made jam. We made the cherry jam, and we made a whole bunch of jars of crabapple jam. And we get to give the crabapple jam away every time somebody comes. Of course, we eat a lot of it ourselves, too, because it is so good. But the feeling of having something to give to somebody is better than the feeling of putting it on my own toast, even though I love it. So this is real. When you feel the Lord speaking, and you know, hey, this is what he wants, do it, because I can guarantee you it's the best thing ever. All right? We are to give out forgiveness. So I'm saying we are safe to give. I give you some, we're giving our lives, we're giving of our substance, but also you need to give out forgiveness. And I included this here for a reason. Matthew 6, verse 12 is the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to kind of hit it halfway in the middle of the prayer. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. So forgiving someone is an act of freely giving them pardon or freedom from what they've done. Sometimes we don't understand, well, I mean, for giving, the word is right in there. When you forgive someone, you're giving them a gift. They don't deserve it, but you give them the gift. And Jesus says, hey, just like any giving, when you give, I give back more. Isn't that amazing? So when you're forgiving people, think of it as giving and just do it generously. And if you do it generously, I guarantee generous forgiveness is coming back to you in all spots. If you're a joyful person that forgives others, guaranteed people will forgive you quickly. You make a mistake at work, oh, don't worry about it. Well, why is it so easy for him? He never gets in trouble. Because you first forgive people around you. And finally, we are going to wrap up with the rewards of giving. I'm going to continue to read in 2 Corinthians where we were just a little bit ago when he was talking about planting and harvesting. But I'm going to start at verse 10. So 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So we're talking about the rewards when you give out, whatever it is that you're giving out. Uh, Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. If God is actually going to give someone who's not a believer, you should. Because they're going to know, wow, this is amazing. And they could in turn begin to thank God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. I don't know if you noticed, but there's one little line in there in verse 13 that is very interesting. He says, I'll read the whole verse 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. You know, when the care group is out giving, people give glory to God continually. And then it says this. Your generosity to them and to all believers will prove... That you're obedient to the good news of Christ. Giving proves that we're obedient to the gospel or good news of Christ. You know, I've never really seen the clarity of that verse before. But very clearly he is saying, when you've received the good news and gospel of Christ, you become a giver. Because he has so abundantly blessed us, we can freely give to others. Jesus' followers gave up everything. The original disciples left homes and boats and businesses. And again, he asked them directly. I always tell people, don't go Monday morning and sell everything you have. That's not what this is about. Unless God was so clearly telling you he was taking you somewhere else, and you'd better listen. But don't ever take a verse as a pastor's preaching and take it off in a wrong direction. But Peter spoke up and he said in Mark 10 verse 28, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. In other words, the rewards for giving are returned now and also later. Of course, Malachi chapter 3, which we read, spoke hugely about rewards now even. Malachi 3.10 said, When you bring all the tithes in the storehouse, there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. I'm going to ask a question here. Have you ever been in a place where God blessed you and gave you more than you? could even imagine I would say those potatoes for us on the farm was one of those examples and it'll always be in my mind and as a young person it's stuck to now where I know I can have faith to trust him no matter what but if you haven't I want to encourage you ask the Lord Lord I don't think I've had it where it's come in so much that I couldn't contain it or maybe it was so long ago I'd like to see it again Because it's not a one-time thing. Obviously, giving isn't a one-time thing, so the reward and blessing is not a one-time thing. Ask him, what would you have me do, Lord? And please know, this is not about, uh, we don't even collect an offering in the service. We just say, hey, if you're a believer and part of our church, you understand giving, there's the places to give back there. So please know, I'm not doing this as a poll or to try to pressure anybody. I've even, after sharing giving message, told people, go pray about it for a week because I want to make sure you're not being uh, influenced wrongly or feeling guilty. So I'm going to give you this. Pray and ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I want to show you that I have faith and I want to, as this verse said, put you to the test. Okay? Okay. You can, according to scripture, put him to the test. Okay, but I would say to you, ask him, what is it? Now, this verse is very clear that there is the tithe, your regular tithe off your income. So every time you give 10% of your income, you can just say, Lord, thank you. Here's your 10% back. I know now that you're going to pour out. But I'm feeling today as I bring this out that you can very specifically Ask him because he wants to build your faith. Okay? So I'm, I'm feeling this is even beyond tithe. This is something special that you ask him. And I, n- I don't believe that it has to be here at the church where you give it either. Okay? Because I feel it's something beyond the tithe. It could be a person you're helping. I mean, Holy Spirit tells you to give to the church. My finance person is not going to be mad. I'm pretty sure about that. But it could be anywhere that God's directing you. I just feel that this is something you should do because he says testament he wants to prove you. he wants to prove it to you okay so this week talk to the lord what is the special thing you want me to give that you want to show and prove yourself back to me with some uh, abundance